Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
All right, folks, today is Tuesday, day after Memorial Day, May 31st, 2022. Here's what's coming up. I'm Roland Martin on the filter, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Funerals began for the 19 students gunned down in Uvalde, Texas. And now the Department of Justice will investigate how law enforcement responded to the massacre that left 21 dead. In addition to that, ABC News is reporting that the Uvalde School District and the Police Department, they're not cooperating with the Texas Department of Public Safety investigation. What the hell's going on there? Vice President Kamala Harris uh, and her husband attended the funeral over the weekend for the oldest victim in Buffalo's um, racial attack. Yeah, well, 10 black people were shot and killed. You would hear what the vice president had to say during that funeral service. 14 mass shootings happened over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, folks, bringing the year's total to 230 and more than 250 people dead. An unarmed black woman, folks, is shot multiple times. No, I'm sorry, a pregnant black woman is shot multiple times by Kansas City, Missouri police. We'll tell you about that. An Oklahoma family is suing a sheriff's department for what they say was an, uh, first of all, again, no shock, was was an uh, unauthorized um, investigation, folks. Also, uh, Brittany Griner is still being held in Russia. Folks are calling for her release and want others to sign an actual uh, petition. Plus, a report shows just how much Twitter hate uh, was talking to Vice President Kamala Harris. We'll talk to the founder and CEO of Bot Sentinel, who conducted the research. Enforcement Virginia Councilwoman goes off in a council meeting after the unexpected firing of the city's city manager. We'll show you the video here from her, and they also are having the city council meeting tonight to hire a new city manager. And in today's Marketplace segment, a Tennessee grocery store is helping to stop hunger. It's a Black Lives Matter grocery store. Folks, it's time to breathe the funk. Roland Martin Unfiltered with Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. Folks, uh, it has been a grueling day for people in Uvalde, Texas, and all across the country as the first children laid to rest, 19 kids, two adults, shot and killed last week at the Rob Elementary School in Uvalde. Of course, this was supposed to be the beginning of a summer break, but that is not the case as families are having uh, to bury loved ones. In fact, folks, it was so devastating that they couldn't even find the number of small caskets needed for these children who were slaughtered inside of a classroom. Uh, man, talk about uh, so sad, so shameful. The families of 10-year-old uh, Amiria Jogarza and um, uh, uh, Mandy Rodriguez, folks, gathered to say their goodbyes to the elementary school students. More funerals are set to take place over the next few weeks. Sunday, the Justice Department said it plans to review Uvalde's police response to the school shooting. Department spokesman uh, Anthony Coley says the review 
will be fair, impartial, and independent. The findings will be made public. Now, what's also strange, folks, is now ABC News is reporting that the Uvalde School District, the police department in the city, they're not cooperating with the Texas, Texas, Texas Department of Public Safety. Now, Texas DPS, they're conducting their own investigation. So why is the city police department and the school district not cooperating with the state? This is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, when did they stop, stop cooperating? Oh, after the DPS spokesman on Friday said that protocol was not followed by going into the school. Now all of a sudden they say, oh, that's it. We're not talking to y'all. Hmm, talk about accountability, huh? Yeah. A DOJ investigation was prompted uh, after viral footage showing parents pleading and arguing with law enforcement outside of Robb Elementary during last week's deadly massacre, folks. This is still be, it's been stunning, and the fallout has been uh, just, uh, just unbelievably crazy as well. Um, uh, now, remember, last week you had all these Texas folks like Sir and Ted Cruz standing up, talking about, oh, how sad this is and, and, and how we must have our thoughts and prayers. Then, of course, he had no problem going to the National Rifle Association Convention in Houston and actually saying this. The elites who dominate our culture tell us that firearms lie at the root of the problem. By elites, I refer to some of the most powerful politicians and their allies in the media, the leaders of the largest corporations and many of the most famous celebrities, and those who echo and amplify them. Their resources are limitless. Their megaphone is enormous and their voice can be deafening. Many of these same people make their accusations from behind great bulwarks of safety, from gated communities equipped with private security, or at the very least, from safe and expensive neighborhoods protected by high home prices and low crime rates. Such people can afford an indulgent ideology. And I was hilarious watching him talk about the elites, oh, let's say, you went to Harvard, your wife has made millions at Goldman Sachs. Um, you're the elite. That's, that's what you are. You, you are the elite, Ted Cruz. But then, folks, um, <laughs> the folks at the, the Good Liars uh, released this video here that, uh, let's just say, was quite fulfilling. Um, now, you know the NRA banned lots of different people from the convention, uh, but they happened to actually get in. And if you want to see how you shame these idiots, and the people in the room are totally confused by what happened, all you got to do is watch this. And uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you. The chair recognizes the gentleman at microphone 1A. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jason Selvig, and I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. And I would like to say that I am sick and tired of the left-wing media, and frankly, people in this room today, spreading misinformation about Wayne LaPierre. Whenever there's a mass shooting, they all say that Wayne LaPierre isn't doing enough to stop these mass shootings and even implying that Wayne LaPierre has played a part in making it easier for these shooters to, to get guns, to get weapons. 
You heard it after Las Vegas. You heard it after Pulse nightclub in Orlando. You heard it after Columbine. You, you, you heard it after Parkland. You heard it after Virginia Tech. You heard it after Sandy Hook. You heard it after El Paso. You heard it after Buffalo. You kept hearing that Wayne LaPierre isn't doing enough. And frankly, that's not true. The NRA, under Wayne LaPierre's leadership, has provided thoughts and prayers to the victims and their families. And, and maybe these mass shootings would stop happening if, if we all thought a little bit more and we prayed a little bit more. So I'm, I'm asking everyone in this room to think, to pray, Give your thoughts and your prayers and your thoughts and your prayers and your prayers and your thoughts. And if we give enough of these thoughts and these prayers, these mass shootings will stop. So I, I want to thank you, Wayne LaPierre, for all your thoughts and all your prayers. Thank you. That was brilliant. Talk to Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the EPA, Teresa Lundy, principal founder for TML Communications. We joined a little bit later by DeMario Solomon Simmons, civil rights attorney and founder of Justice for Greenwood. Uh, uh, Mustafa, that's, uh, you know, good. that's how you do it. I mean, they're sitting here like, what is he talking about? Thoughts and prayers. That's what we're all saying when they issue those bogus statements after mass shootings. I mean, you know, prayers are important, but if they're not connected to real actions, then we know nothing ever happens. I, I often say that it's it, it's hypocritical uh, to just bring prayer into the conversation, knowing that you're not going to do anything to save people's lives, because prayer is supposed to be connected to a higher level that is focused on protecting people, uplifting people. And, um, you know, but we know the game. We know that these individuals are not the least bit interested in protecting the lives of black elders or children. Um, so we just have to continue to put a spotlight on the injustices, but we also got to vote and we got to make sure that we're putting people in office that will actually do the right thing. So as we continue to put pressure in the moment, we also have to be looking forward to over the next few months of preparing ourselves for this important midterm election. Um, this here is uh, a uh, tweet that was uh, sent out by uh, a journalist, uh, John Carlos Estrada, uh, showing uh, a designer, uh, Teresa, uh, who is working on uh, the caskets of these children and how they're changing. And in one of them, this is a Superman casket, um, and, and how they're personalizing them. And, and, and so many people um, said that they've just been torn up just, just seeing those images. Uh, on these caskets. I can imagine these images, you know, again, make it another reality of something that the Senate and the Congress and, frankly, our president has not done. You know, these 18 children, these 18 lost lives, we can say, you know, uh, if, if somebody was in position, they had security, we can, you know, blame gun violence, which essentially that is it. Um, but we can have so many, you know, uh, decisions on, you know, what actually causes, but if we don't have any actions on how we can actually provide solutions, we're going to see more of this. 
We're going to keep playing, you know, um, these images and these faces. Um, and then when we keep saying thoughts and prayers are with these individuals, we are then not doing a disservice. We're, we are doing a disservice to these individuals and, and frankly, to Americans as a whole. So ultimately, I'm always wondering what it means um, to those who are elected who say they they are trying and they're fighting. And I believe I said it in another uh, segment, Roland, where I'm so tired of those talking points of thoughts and prayers and, you know, we're champion and we're fighting when these individuals have the power to actually get it done. So if we're tired of remembering these names, if we're tired of seeing these images, then it's time to take our power i.e. the ones that we elect into public office and actually do the work. Otherwise, please stop saying, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers are with the victims of the families because it's actually insulting. Um, and again, uh, John, this is this is the full tweet here. Uh, meet the Texas man uh, who's making customized caskets for each of the 19 young victims and two teachers from the school shooting in Uvalde. Uh, Trey Ganim visited with the families last week, so each casket is personalized to include each child's interest uh, in the company as a soul shine industries. And so, uh, and, and again, we're seeing these type of reactions and, 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 and the thing that, that is still uh, unbelievable to me is, is, is to watch uh, how, how, how gutless some of these folks are with their decision making. But, but also I, I, I do think it's important that, that we have to also challenge in terms of leadership. So. Uh, President Joe Biden said, look, it's the, it's the role of Congress to do what they need to do. Um, but, Teresa, Sunday, the White House didn't put out any, didn't even make any effort to put any people out uh, on the Sunday show saying it's a job of Congress. No, this is what, where you use the bully pulpit. What, what the hell are they doing? I, 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 like, I literally don't understand the rationale why they're not leaning in on the need for greater gun safety. I agree, you know, and it's almost like the, the White House is making it a state issue, you know, and, and saying that, hey, look, we're going to put this responsibility on someone else. Let's just be honest here. President Joe Biden has dealt with this situation long before he became president. He's dealt with Sandy Hook. He's dealt with Columbine. He's dealt with so many other mass uh, uh, shootings um, and also with, with the gun rights. And so it's like... Again, we have to look at the track record of these leaders who are saying, you know, when I get in, I am going to do X, Y, and Z. And then now when you're at the top and you can actually push these individuals the way you've pushed other legislation, it's not happening. So ultimately, the American people are left with an undecided leadership panel that is trying to figure out what are the next steps. And ultimately, you know, it looks like it, it's, it's stemming for, you know, state uh, officials to actually have to take it into their hands to put their own laws into place. And so we're, we're getting to a point where chaos is starting to start and stop from um, the White House uh, podium. And again, it's all about communication. And it seems like, you know, when tragedy happens, the first things that, that are coming out of their mouths is thoughts and prayers, but no action. And people are just tired of it. I personally am tired of it. I, I just don't. I don't know what 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 the hell the White House is thinking. Uh, this is when they should be even more aggressive in driving this. And I'll I'll be honest with you, um, uh, uh, Mustafa. 
they've been pathetic even after the Senate blocked the domestic terrorism bill that was passed in the House after the shooting in Buffalo. I'm like, what the hell are y'all doing? How, how is this not uh, a, a major issue? How is Biden not slamming uh, Republicans for standing in the way? Ten black people gunned down in Buffalo, and the House immediately passes a bill the following week. Oh, and all for all these other people out here who run their mouths, oh, my God, the Asians got a bill. Let me say it again. Let me say it again for you ADOS FBA B1 people who listen to idiots tweet stuff with no knowledge and information. The week after the Buffalo shooting, Congressman Jamal Bowman, black, put up a bill that was a bill dealing with domestic terrorism and white supremacy. So for all y'all yelling, oh, where the black bill, where, where the black bill? That was the bill. House passed it. One Republican voted for it. Uvalde happens. Goes to the Senate. The Senate blocks it because they don't want any conversation dealing with guns. White House, Biden, Harris, Garland. Where y'all at? This to me makes no sense. I mean, it should be an all-out approach. You know, like you said, all of the folks who are part of the cabinet should be constantly being on every media platform that they can to continue to keep the spotlight on this. You know, the president also, if, if he calls a, a press conference every evening, the majority of folks are going to show up. You know, the majority of the media is going to show up to see what he's talking about. Each night, he could be highlighting one of the folks who lost their lives, really making sure to humanize it for the rest of the country, and then tying it to the fact that the Senate is not moving forward on, you know, any type of possible changes uh, or putting any type of things in place that actually will help to protect people's lives. He has that bully pulpit that you referenced before if he wants to use it. You know, the question becomes, who are you um, afraid that if you continue to bring this issue up, that they're not going to uh, appreciate it or they're not going to show up for you. I don't know if it's that mythical voter that they continue to try and get um, or if there are other things that are in place. I do understand and I know the numbers of how much the NRA is providing uh, to a number of folks who are in the Senate um, and in the House. So, you know, there's all these different dynamics that the president could, you know, he could balance that out by making sure that he's putting folks' faces and their lives uh, forward um, and helping folks understand why we have to move forward now in this moment. I mean, you got 321 people who die every day in this country from guns. Um, so he has all the information that he needs. He has the power to, to actually keep a spotlight on these issues. I hope that moving forward, he'll actually do that. T T Teresa, this is a story that came out on, on NBC News inside a Biden White House adrift uh, and it says, amid a rolling series of calamities and sinking approval ratings, the president's feeling lately. President's feeling lately is that he just can't catch a break, and that angst is rippling through his party. And it goes on, it goes on to talk about how uh, that that he's upset that more Democrats are not uh, supporting him uh, in terms of uh, going on television. That's your job. You have the greatest bully pulpit in America. You have an entire White House communications team. What the hell are they doing? You know, and I'm, and I'm going through this here, uh, and, uh, and like, perfect example. Okay, we get an email today. 
and they offer up two African Americans to talk about black people in the economy. And I'm like, um, that's today's message? Mm. Now, and, and let me be real clear. Again, this is for all the dumbass ADOS, FBA, B1 people. Oh my goodness, really about trying to work for the president. No, I'm not. I ain't never gonna work for any politician in a campaign or in elected office, so all y'all can kiss my ass. I got a job, I hire people. I'm good. I don't want a job. I'm a CEO, I'm an owner. I'm not interested in working for somebody else, and it's a pay cut. Now, <laughs> this is what I don't understand, and this is just me. Now, y'all tell me, you know, Mustafa, you worked in the administration. Uh, Teresa, you worked with elected officials. But y'all tell me if I sound like I'm crazy. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday happens every week. I would think you sort of have a strategy as to what are we messaging today? What are, what are, we, what are, we, what are we communicating today? What are we focusing on today? I would think after Buffalo, after Uvalde, every day, Congress, stand up, deal with gun safety, every day. That's my message. I would think if you're the White House, you're putting the Surgeon General out talking about how gun violence is a public health crisis in America. I would think you're putting out the Secretary of Health and Human Services to discuss the same thing. I would think you're putting out folks in the Department of Justice. I would think you're maximizing your cabinet. That's what I think in terms of I'm trying to drive a narrative. If I'm trying to keep it top of mind, and yes, I know, the, I know Congress is in a recess. I know the Senate is recessed until June 6th, but it don't mean you're not talking about it. In fact, today's May 31st. Hmm, when is June 6th? Let me check my calendar. Huh, June 6th is next Monday. So don't you think the messaging every single day should be Congress, when you come back on June 6th, the first thing you must take up is gun safety. Am I crazy? It sounds like you outlined a strategic plan of what the White House should be doing. Listen, I am one to say that I am a fan of Karina. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of her work on the Move On campaign actually uh a friend of mine, I put, I couldn't do the contract, but it was a, a digital media contract. And a friend of mine, uh, I introduced her to the organization. She got it and she couldn't tell me nothing but greatness. And so I just remember, you know, her, Kareem being in that role and also many other roles where she was talking about, you know, black and brown issues all the time. And so I was very excited, you know, as she gets in and I understand that she is in a whirlwind of communications, but you're absolutely right. No, 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 well, no, 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 Kareem's the press secretary. There's a communications director. Yes, there is a communications director that presents the strategy. Ultimately, the, the, the sec press secretary also has to be in correlation, lockstep with the... No, I agree. But see, I think this is an, this is an overall problem. 
See, I think, again, when I go back to this NBC story, um, and, and the article talked about how they are looking at uh, some potential changes, maybe cha changing out uh, Ron Klain, who was the chief of staff, uh, longtime Biden aide, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and things, along, uh, things along those lines. We could go on and on and on. Uh, again, I, I'm just, because understanding how the White House works, you got chief of staff, you have deputy chiefs of staffs, and then you have the people who are underneath them. Frankly, I think Biden's, I think Biden's problem is he's operating too much like he's still in the United States Senate. Dude, mm. you're now the president. You're not one of 100. You're one of one. He has the power. You know, the question is, are you going to utilize the power to, to actually push to make change happen? You also sometimes got to lean in because there's a whole bunch of decisions that are being made, you know, above the press secretary or, or, or the director of communications um, that are framing out the direction that folks think that they should move in. Um, so there's a whole lot of people who have responsibility for either the set of actions or the lack of set of actions around this. I mean, to not bring forward those individuals that were mentioned earlier and to make sure that for those parents who have lost children over the years to gun violence, that they're not also right there next to those secretaries and administrators who are sharing um, the steps that they are taking, the statistics it is a missed opportunity to keep not only the spotlight, but to force people to understand that, one, this issue is not going away unless we put these even basic common sense steps in place, you know, to keep a spotlight on this conversation that is happening that's supposed to be bipartisan, um, to make sure that people know. If you got the members who are back home, and, and, you know, for me, I just deal with common sense stuff, I would be making sure that I was putting forward the, the senators who are back home, where their offices are, and encouraging people to engage uh, in this democracy by visiting those offices and sharing with them, you know, what your sets of expectations are. And the reason that I would anchor that is because in the polling, the majority of Americans say that they want reform in this area, that they actually want action. So if the American people are asking for it and you are not pushing with all of your might and all of the tools that you have, then it's a missed opportunity to actually make sure that we are honoring those lives that were lost and to make sure that future lives, that we minimize as much as possible those lives being taken. Um, and if you're not doing that, as far as I'm concerned, you know, that, that anybody who is not doing everything in their ability is a part of the problem. Well, I mean, I, I, Teresa, I'm, I'm just confused. I'm, I'm sitting here, and, I, and again, I'm looking at this NBC story. Uh, please go to it. They said the president has also told AIDS he doesn't think enough Democrats go on television to defend him. Okay, I, I, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm Teresa, I'm just still confused. I, I'm, I'm confused. If you don't think Democrats are going on television to defend you about the economy, don't you have a Secretary of Commerce? Don't you have a secretary of labor? You've got a White House Council of Economic Advisors. And I don't know why Cecilia, Dr. Cecilia Rouse is brilliant. I've had her on this show a couple times. I don't know what, I don't know what. When she was with the Obama administration, they barely put her on. Why in the hell you aren't sending your economic people out there? Why, why are you, if Biden, why are you waiting on Democrats to defend you on television when you can put your own people on television? I'm like, yeah, 
I, I, so this ain't this. I'm just I'm just trying to understand. So part of it is what I'm thinking is: Do the people um, that is in his administration actually believe the economy is going in the right direction? And you know, if those who are sitting, you know, I, look, I, there are employees that work for every CEO, and if that CEO is not doing uh, the job that they said they were going to do and provide for them then absolutely they're not coming out front saying this is the best place to work. But we, you, you're absolutely right. When we talk about, you know, uh, Biden's strategic message to the public and what the communications team should be doing, then, yeah, your in-house folks should have those talking points. They should be circulated. And they should be telling the story of what is actually happening, not fluffed or, you know, perpetrated on something else or, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to do down the line. Listen, we have seen some very important people in this administration moving on to other things because they are seeing the ball drop. And what Biden and his strategic team needs to do is to rethink. They need to take a setback and also refresh their development tools. So what does that mean? That means putting strategists in the room and actually getting something out of it. No more sitting in meetings with no notepads. No more, you know, non-recorders. Let's get this thing on record and put some pen into paper in order to fix this country. Because what we are seeing right now is an unfortunate divide where, you know, uh, not only the presidency is, is, is almost in disarray, but we are also struggling and G the GOP seems like they are winning. And so, you know, we're still talking about inflation. I think we've talked about Ukraine and, and Russia's war you know, for the past three months, right? And again, there was so many other things that are happening and now we're getting back to what's happening. Now we're back to the, the social issues that are happening here in America. And people are like, okay, I know we did this across seas, but now what are we doing here at home? And now that that focus is here, we're looking for answers. And I'm not sure if, if, if the presidency right now um, is, is actually handling the message in the right way. DeMario, he, 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 here's a perfect example. Eight hours ago, the DNC War Room Twitter account uh, tweeted this out. President Biden is not only leading our nation through a historic economic recovery with unemployment below 4%, but he has a plan to fight inflation and lower costs for families. Republican lawmakers don't have a plan and are rooting against families. And what they did is they tweeted out uh, an opinion piece uh, that is actually uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Joe Biden, my plan for fighting inflation. Okay, so let's, let's, let's just start right there. Okay, let's just start right there, okay? And so this is dated May 30th, 2022, 5.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so let's start right there. You're putting an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. That's owned by Rupert Murdoch. How many everyday, low wage, working class people read the Wall Street Journal? In fact, of the four of us, how many of us have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal, hard copy or digital edition? That's two out of four. Okay, now, here's what I don't understand, Demario. If I'm the president, I can literally call a news conference at any time. 
I could, I could walk into the room and say, schedule it. In fact, I don't even have to say schedule it. Just show up. I can walk into the press room. If I'm Joe Biden, if I'm President Joe Biden, I'm not writing an opinion piece saying, here's my plan for fighting inflation. I'm going before the cameras and saying it. And laying it out. If I'm Joe Biden, if I'm President Joe Biden, I'm literally saying I'm going to hit eight to ten cities in the next month holding town halls with parents and workers and discussing my plan to beat inflation. What I'm not going to do is have folks whine in an article to NBC or to Politico or to Axios or to anybody else about my plan to fight inflation. That's what I'm going to sit here and do. How about you? Does that sound crazy? <laughs> Listen, I'll just answer the whole question by saying yesterday I took my mom out to go grocery shopping and she everything was much higher than it's been in the last couple of months. And then when we went to go fill up my tank, it cost $70. Now, I'm fortunate enough I can fill my tank up and not even, you know, I can do that. But it really struck me that if someone was making $10 an hour, they would have to work eight hours just to be able to fill that tank up, work a full day for one tank of gas. That's the issue, Roland, and what you're saying makes perfect sense, that this needs to be dealt with not as some elite Wall Street Journal newspaper op-ed, but tangible, what am, what am I doing? Not what am I going to do? Not that I have a plan. People don't care if you have a plan. People want relief. People see $40 billion $50 billion going over to Ukraine, and they're saying, wait a minute, the stuff I was paying for, I was paying gas for $2.50, now it's $5, $6, $7, but we have $50 billion that we can send overseas? That's the issue. That's the problem. And I agree with you 100%. Mr. Uh, President Biden could, could, could go anywhere, and it's a news story. He could get out on the road. That's one of the most effective things that Trump did. He got out among his base, he kept them fired up. He kept them engaged. He kept them in the know of what he was thinking and what he was doing. And we're just not seeing that with this presidency. And, and, and again, you have the greatest bully pulpit in the country, Mustafa. You can literally yep. talk at any time. And <laughs> I just don't want to... I, I, I don't understand uh, uh, the, uh, the whining and complaining. And I'm, and I'm telling you right now, and, I, and all I'm seeing, and ain't that many black people in the room, but all I'm seeing are a whole bunch of people, we don't, we don't know what's going on, we don't understand, what, we don't know what's happening, uh, why we can't. Because y'all got folk who don't know how to communicate. As Joe Masson says, you got to put it where the ghost can get it. You got to walk folk through it. You got to actually say it. You got to say it in, in, in real time. And so I, I just, again, to me, this, this ain't that damn hard. It's really not. We've got to remember he's Joe from Scranton. Remember when we were in the campaign, you know, he continually remind folks of that, that he understood, you know, everyday folks' values. Um, he'd been there. 
So you can't lose that. You know, we often end up having, we're surrounded by individuals who've never spent any time with real people. You know, don't understand what it's like to be have to make a decision about putting food on the table or, or keeping the electricity on. Those are the important conversations. So you got to bring it back to the people. And as we said, you got to actually be out there with folks. And you got to utilize these various tools that you have in place where people are going to come. Folks want to hear from the president. You know, one of the reasons that they elected him is because he brought hope back to the conversation. And he also grounded it in a set of actions that he was going to do. So you can't lose that, especially in this moment. You get an opportunity to educate folks on what your set of actions are, what they're going to look like, and how it can make their lives better. You can have real talk with people about the challenges that they're currently dealing with. And you can also set, make sure that people understand that here are the things you want to do. Here are the impediments that we're currently facing on Capitol Hill to make sure that you are framing the conversation in a truthful way, in an authentic way, so people understand why they have a role to play in this moment and moving forward. And if you don't do that, you can't rely on the Lincoln Project to get your message out and, and to make sure that you get reelected. You know, when you do that, you set yourself up. And again, he's just got to make sure that, one, he's surrounding himself with people who've actually spent time with everyday folks and that he is the one who's framing out the direction moving forward and, and, and be okay with folks wanting to have some deeper conversations with you. Um, if you're not willing to do that, it's going to be a real tough road for the country moving forward. If you are willing to do that, then I think it puts you back on the track of a winning formula to get the country moving in the right direction. I, I'm going uh, to share some more words on this when we come back from this break uh, because, folks, uh, we have to understand literally what is at stake. It is the last day of May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Six months to election day. And trust me, the folk on the other side are crazy and deranged, but what I keep saying is that they are hyper-focused on turnout. I'll break it down further when we come back. Roll Martin Phil from the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach and host of Get Wealthy. On the next Get Wealthy, here's the good news. Black women are the fastest growing segment of business owners. The not so good news, the average business by black women is only earning revenues of $45,000 or less. On the next Get Wealthy, you're gonna hear from a woman who went from her kitchen table to cat tables, growing her business to over a million dollars. You should start a business because your product is needed in the world, not because uh, it, it, you hate the person that you work with. If you hate your job and you hate your you know, your manager, go find a new job, a place that makes you feel comfortable. Um, and I say that because starting a business is truly a um, labor of uh, love and service. If you want to learn how to do it, right here on the next Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Across America. From the Mississippi Delta to the Apache Stronghold from the homeless encampments of Washington State to the coal fields of Appalachia of West Virginia. We are the 140 million poor and low wealth people in this country, and we are building the Poor People's Campaign. 
a national call for moral revival. On June 18th, ahead of this year's midterm elections, while the Congress is still in session, we will hold a mass poor people's and low wage workers assembly and moral march on Washington to arrest the attention of the nation, to put a face and a voice on poverty and low wages in this country. This is a watershed moment for justice and democracy in America. There are those who say that transformative change is impossible, but history teaches us that it is precisely in times like these that people must build a broad and deep movement from the bottom up. We must compel this nation to repent, to lament, and to see the realities that have been hidden for far too long. On June 18th, we will come together to lift the voices of the poor and low-wage workers who know that change is not only possible, it is essential for our survival. We will make the connections to show how systemic racism, poverty, ecological devastation, the denial of health care, the war economy, and the false moral narrative of religious nationalism and white supremacy are hurting us all. We will show the nation the faces of Americans who cannot afford to go back to normal. We will detail the policies that can move us toward a society that works for everyone. And we will pledge to go home and build power for transformative change in this year's election and for years to come. Because the question should have never been, how much will it cost to address poverty? The real question is, how much is it costing us not to? Somebody's been hurting our people. It's gone on far too long. And we won't be silent or unseen anymore. Join us in D.C. on June 18th. Build with us for a third reconstruction in America. Visit poorpeoplescampaign.org. Carl Payne pretended to be Roland Martin. Holla! You are watching Roland Martin, and I'm on his show today, and it's... What, huh? You should have some cue cards. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Eee. Okay, folks, so, uh, so let me just try to help this utterly confused White House and Democratic Party as they're trying to figure out what in the hell to say and do when it comes to the economy and what they've done. So President Biden is saying that, uh, look how we've gotten unemployment uh, numbers so low. Very true. But as DeMario said, that means absolutely nothing when you're looking at the price of gas, the price of food, things along those lines. Now, let's walk through this here. So I was um, reading a piece over the weekend. Uh, Reverend Dr. William Barber sent this to me. Um, and uh, this is the headline, Can Beasley Become North Carolina's First Black U.S. Senator? Three views on what she needs to do. Now, this is in the News and Observer. Now, th this is something that Reverend Barber said in the piece that I believe um, is absolutely true. First of all, a previous, uh, a, a, another person uh, said that in the piece, um, you've got to talk to the other 65% of the electorate, 
not just the right wing of the Republican Party as Trump tends to do. Reverend Barber says in the piece that 45% of North Carolinians are poor or low wealth, a share of the electorate that he said is, quote, the sleeping giant that needs to be awoken. In the piece, he says, point blank, that Sherry Beasley should run on guaranteeing workers a living wage, paid family leave, access to health care, and economic justice. He says, quote, if any candidate is afraid to say the word poor and can only say the word middle class, then that candidate will not deserve to win because they are willing to write off nearly half the state. That right there is one of President Biden's fundamental problems. Because see, what he does is he's been, he does what centrist Democrats have done for decades. The middle class, the middle class, the middle class, the middle class, the middle class. And I get it, but numbers don't lie. If Barbara lays out that nearly half of all people in North Carolina are low-wage workers, you, you might want to talk to them. Since Biden has gotten in the White House, there's been this back and forth, this jockeying to meet with Reverend Barbara and Reverend Liz, Liz Theo Harris. And the White House has been wanting to meet with Barbara as well as Liz individually. Listen to what I just told y'all. They have been wanting to meet with them individually. But Reverend Barbara and Reverend Liz Theo Harris, they constantly say that, no, we bring affected people with us. So if you want to meet with us, you got to meet with them. That's sort of like somebody saying, you know what? I don't want to meet with Mustafa's group. Let me just meet with Mustafa. And so therefore, if I only meet with Mustafa, then I can say I met with Mustafa's group. And he's like, no, 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 no. My group wasn't there. You just met with me. See, y'all, where Biden and the White House and the Democrats are totally ignoring this reality is that if, if you talking to the people out there who ain't voting and you saying to them, this is what I'm going to do, you're going to stay in a better shot of turning them out than turning somebody over here who can afford a Tesla. Y'all, this really ain't that hard. The Poor People's Campaign, their mass march is June 18th. I'm sorry, 18 days. If you're the White House, you know what the smartest thing to do? The smartest thing if you're the White House is to say uh, on June, on the week of June 13th, through the 19th, we're going to hold a White House summit on poor and low-wage workers. And if you Biden and you got your plan to address inflation, that's why you talk about it. I'm just saying, kind of makes sense. I, I'm just saying that when you run around touting, and I told you this before, he goes to North Carolina A&T, and he's touting all this money they gave HBCUs, but he talks in general. 
He gives the whole number. Not, not, anybody know how a good preacher does that thing? You don't just talk about stuff in broad terms. You get specific. If you Biden and you gave money to North Carolina A&T and you gave money to St. Augustine and you gave money to Winston-Salem State and you just start name dropping. Y'all got money. Y'all got money. Y'all got money. You don't say, my administration, we've given $6.8 billion uh, in the last two bills to historically black colleges and universities and minority civic institutions. No! I showed y'all the numbers. Alabama colleges have gotten more money than anybody else. Joe, go to Alabama. Florida A&M has gotten a whole lot of money. Go to Florida. Like, I literally do not understand what their thinking is if you're talking about the economy. You got to engage the people. The White House loves talking about, oh, Biden, his empathy. Empathy is not going to feed you. But if you are laying out our food program, if you laying out what's happening, here's what they are doing, and I'll bring the panel in for in a second. This is what they are doing. Y'all, they are playing a Washington, D.C. game. And the country don't all live in D.C. and New York. I, I, I'm going to go back to the piece I was telling y'all about. Because y'all need to see numbers. Obama runs in 2008. I'm showing y'all numbers. Go to it, please. In 2008, black voter turnout in North Carolina hit its highest ever at 73%. It exceeded the white turnout, which was 71%. Now wait for it. Now wait for it. Now mind y'all, he won North Carolina by 14,100 votes. But y'all see what happened in 2020. Black turnout drops 5% to 68%, but white turnout jumps 8%. Midterm election. That's the one I want to focus on, Demario, Teresa, and Mustafa. In the last midterm election in 2018, 48% black turnout, 56% white turnout. Huh. So 2008, 
73% of black people turn out for Obama. A 25% drop in the 2018 midterm. But check this out. 71% white in 2008. Only, only a 15% drop. So, Biden, DNC Chair Jamie Harrison, the head of the DSCC, the head of the DCCC, the head of Democratic Governors Association, the head of Priorities Pat, Emily's List, and all y'all Democrats and progressives who are spending money paying largely white consultants to tell you to run ads, and these are the same white consultants who are talking on background and off the record to political and axios saying, we gonna get killed. You gonna get killed, put it back up. You gonna get killed because of that number right there. You gonna get killed because it's going to be a dramatic drop-off in the midterm elections. That's because you have not talked to the very people to explain to them why your policies matter. And I can tell you this here, that white turnout, oh, these folks are hankering for Donald Trump. Oh, they're going to turn out. And if y'all sitting down, y'all two blocks away at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I ain't got a problem with having a meeting. It's just two damn blocks. Y'all might want to have some regular folk having to have a conversation with them to explain to y'all what's going on. But if all y'all doing a whining and complaining to NBC News and all these other articles, all these other media outlets, y'all is going to keep getting beat. Because right now, DeMario, Teresa, and Mustafa, they sound depressed. They sound, oh, my God, the, the, the roof is falling in. Oh, my God, we're going to lose. Oh, my God, it's just so awful. And that's because y'all keep trying to play or run a 1988 strategy in 2022. Teresa, you first. Yeah, it's clear that the strategies of the past are not focused on uh, the future needs of the people. And part of it is we got to get away from that traditional mindset. That's why we've been seeing this entirely new progressive movement. We've been seeing different individuals that have been um, picking apart, you know, uh, different legislation pieces, i.e., uh, Joe Manchin and the rest of the gang who decides to say that they're Democrat one minute and then the next they're voting on Republican lines. But also locally, we've been seeing a lot of these uh, uh, situations where um, we we are having, you know, incumbents leaving office um, with um, some of the help of those local leaders who help gentrify a certain area. I know this is not, just not happening in Philadelphia, but it's happening in communities across states where um, the old way of thinking when they were selling people's properties for uh, you know less than a dollar and now we're seeing uh, other uh, 
people of color being put out of uh, their homes and their properties that they can't even build generational wealth. So with this type of thinking and not modernizing tools, not bringing in new advisors, not seeking new ideas or asking the right questions or doing the right polling or just even in the, the lamest sense, um, just doing basic campaigning, basic door knocking, reaching the people where they are. It looks like Donald Trump, you know, and the rest of his team decided to use 2021, um, well, really probably 2019 um, ideals. And that's how they actually got in because we got to move forward. I think the, each party um, has to realize what is working for the American people today because they still think that the, the things that they're doing is working for um, is, is working to the day. They are sadly mistaken and they are also um, making it very unfortunate for the next generation to, to have their wealth. And, 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 and look, DeMario, I, I, look, I, I get an email from the from White House today asking us to do a couple of interviews. The email got hit, went out at 12.27. One of the interviews is at 1.30. I said, y'all, come on. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta plan a little bit better than that if you're trying to drive a message for the day. So yeah, I, I, just, I just literally, I have no idea. I, I literally have no idea what the hell their strategy is. Cause I ain't heard nobody even articulate it. You know, what's really sad about what we're talking about is that they're not putting forth a strategy and they're probably gonna get destroyed in the midterm. But that means real hell on our people. That means real pain on our people. That means real destruction of our neighborhoods and our lives. And that's why, as we talk about this, the more we talk about it tonight, it's really concerning and really dis disheartening, to be honest with you. Because I remember 2008 very well here in Tulsa. And I remember going to my polling place, which was St. Andrew Baptist Church, where I had voted for you know, 15 years or so to our move recently, and up until that point. And I remember seeing the lines literally down the street of people from my neighborhood who had, I had never seen vote. People I had never seen had be involved with the political process. People I had never seen cared anything about a politician. But they truly, I 100% believe their lives were going to get better with the election in 2008. And the reality of it is, as the numbers show that you showed in North Carolina, this happens all over the nation, things didn't get better for most Black people. And so as we have these conversations about, hey, you need to discuss more specifically, more specifically, more specifically of what you're doing, but more important than discussing it, which is important, how about actually doing specific things that improve the lives of black and poor people? That is not happening under the President Biden administration. And sadly, it hasn't happened under any administration in my lifetime for the masses of black people. But again, as Teresa said, when you go back to Trump and how the Republicans campaign, they understand their base. They say the things that their base wants to hear. It's racist, it's, it's vulgar, it's disgusting. But that's what their base wants to hear. And guess what? They actually put forth legislation. They passed big tax cuts. They passed gun bills to make it easier to get gun law. They make it harder to vote. Those are the things that their base wants. But the Democrats get in, they don't talk about what they're going to do for their base, and then they don't, and, and they certainly don't do it. Well, remember, well, now remember those things, those things, it's, it's a lot easier to pass those things on the state level when you control the, the House, the Senate, the governor's mansion, and you have 
you have uh, uh, super majorities. No, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about even at the federal level. Let's look at right. the, the, the let's look at the shooting last week, that tragic shooting of those young babies that was killed, slaughtered, 19. Right, of them. right. President Biden came off the plane. He's going to have his his press conference. He comes off the plane. It was a very generic, broad. I can't believe this. We need them to do something. Take that difference, what Steve Kerr said at his press conference, how Steve Kerr had passion, how Steve Kerr specifically said, Mitch McConnell, you're trying to hold on to power because you care more about power than the lives of our children. You see what I'm talking about? You're talking about the specificity, talking about the understanding of how you speak to the base of people to move forward. And then right. on Sunday, on the Sunday talk shows, there's no one from the administration talking about this are the laws I'm going to pass. And guess what? Just like in Canada, Justin Trudeau signed legislation. I want to see President Biden, you know, I say this all the time, President Biden, sign an executive order to say I'm getting rid of the AR-15 and let the gun manufacturers sue him. Show some passion that you care about the lives of people that are dying each and every day. Yeah, but, 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 but the lawyers, but, the, but that's where the White House lawyers will say you don't have that authority. And but he's the president. No, no, no. no, no what he's I'm saying, the though, president. No, he could be the president, but that's where. But again, though, and that's the difference. But, but, I mean, you think no, 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 Trump? No. You think Trump is caring about? No, 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 no. And I'm, and that's my whole point. That's the difference also between where you have two parties in terms of how they operate. I, but, but here's another example again to me. And again, I just, I just look at how you're not sitting here uh, hitting it. Uh, just real quick, y'all. So uh, I'm fucking to my next guest. Uh, Justice Department secures agreement in race discrimination lawsuit involving two rental properties uh, in Georgia, okay? Dealing with racism in housing, okay? Uh, that came down literally on Thursday, okay? That's on Thursday, all right, y'all? So then, and, and again, and I'm showing y'all these because you're probably saying, okay, why I didn't hear this only on Roland's show? Uh, former Mississippi Deputy Warden pleads guilty to assaulting inmate at Parchman Prison. Melvin Hilson, 49, a former Deputy Warden, uh, pled guilty to violating violate an inmate's civil rights in 2016. Okay, one more for you, last one. Let me pull this up for you right here. Um, three, con three Kentucky correctional officers indicted for assaulting inmates attempted to cover it up. That dropped on Friday. That's just what the Civil Rights Division is doing. I broke the last thing before. I don't understand how you, the White House, uh, Mustafa, and you ain't saying none of this. None of it. You're not even touting it. It's a missed opportunity. I mean, we, we continue to say that, but, you know, you bring these things forward, then you talk about the additional steps that, whether we're talking about the Department of Justice or one of the other uh, agencies or departments is doing, and then you also link it to, and here are the resources that we've got out there, uh, and here's how it's helping to make change, or here's how your vote, when you get uh, judges in place, or when you get these other people in place, yep. and and how we do it all together. Folks, over the weekend, uh, the last of the victims uh, who were shot and killed in Buffalo was laid to rest. Uh, well, now, of course, uh, the, um, first of all, Vice President Kamala Harris actually attended uh, that particular funeral. But she also spoke there. This is what uh, she had to say at the funeral of 86-year-old Ruth Whitfield. Good afternoon, church. <laughs> to the Whitfield family, the father of the Whitfield family, Mr. Whitfield. 
pain that this family is feeling right now and the nine other families here in Buffalo, I cannot even begin to express our collective pain as a nation for what you are feeling in such an extreme way. To not only lose someone that you love, but through an act of extreme violence and hate. And I do believe that our nation right now is experiencing an epidemic of hate. And as we know, and scripture teaches us, when we talk about strength, the strength of personality, the strength of spirit, the strength of faith, I think we all know that a true measure of strength is not based on who you beat down, it's based on who you lift up. Who you lift up. And it means then also in that strength, understanding we will not allow small people to create fear in our communities, that we will not be afraid to stand up for what is right, to speak truth even when it may be difficult to hear and speak. There's a through line. What happened here in Buffalo? in Texas, in Atlanta, in Orlando. What happened at the synagogues? And so this is a moment that requires all good people, all God-loving people to stand up and say, we will not stand for this. Enough is enough. We will come together based on what we all know we have in common and we will not let those People who are motivated by hate separate us or make us feel fear. So I'm here to say that we are all in this together. No one should ever be made to fight alone. We are stronger than those who would try to hurt us think that we are. We are strong. We are strong in our faith. We are strong in our belief about what is right and our determination to act to ensure that we protect all those who deserve to be protected, that we see all those who deserve to be seen, that we hear the voices of the people, and that we rise up in solidarity to speak out against this and to speak to our better angels. Thank you. All right, that was a strong speech, maybe because it wasn't written. In fact, she wasn't supposed to speak there. Reverend Sharpton asked her to come up and say a few words. White House, why don't you try that a little bit more often? Of course, Whitfield was uh, one of the folks inside the Tops Friendly Market after visiting her husband of 68 years in a nursing home when an 18-year-old white gunman opened fire that took place on May 14th. Now, folks, that's Ruth Whitfield right there. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, has been under uh, vicious attack from the moment she announced that she was running for president. Look at social media. Uh, it was uh, a ton of folks who were going after her. Well, uh, a particular group said, you know what, let's look at this. Let's actually examine this. Where is this coming from? And so that's exactly what they did. And their findings uh, are quite interesting. 
uh, and we decided to uh, talk to uh, the, uh, the uh, leader of this organization that actually did this. And so again, if you look at uh, on social media, you look at the bots, you look at all of these different uh, folks out here uh, and uh, with the vicious attacks on her, uh, you've seen it in, on the right wing. You've seen many folks on the right uh, have their uh, various attacks on her, but social media has been a lot different, uh, largely led by Twitter, but you also can expand it to Facebook and Instagram and other platforms as well. Uh, there's been no other politician who has been under the kind of attack of Vice President Kamala Harris. Hmm, why is that? Are some folks somehow scared she might run for president uh, in 2024? The folks at Bot Sentinel okay, released this report that lays out the lack of action taken against these racists. The company reported 40 tweets, but only two of the tweets were taken down for violating Twitter's policies. For the first 122 days of the year, there were more than 4,000 tweets harassing Vice President Harris. Christopher Boozy is the founder and CEO of Bot Sentinel, joins us from New Jersey. Uh, Christopher, uh, walk folks through what this actually means when, when you have clearly identifiable tweets that violate a company's policy, but Twitter does not take any action. Hi, Roland. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, what does it mean? Um, it, it, it appears that Twitter just doesn't care about, you know, targeted harassment, abuse, uh, bigotry um, towards women of color, color black women. Um, you know, we, we did this study because uh, uh, last year we published a report on Meghan Markle. And, um, you know, it got a lot of attention. And, you know, a, a group of black women came to us and said, hey, look, we see these attacks that's happening every day. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting worse in terms of um, uh, Vice President uh, Harris. And please do something. Look at it. You know, are we losing our minds? We are reporting these, these tweets. Nothing is getting removed. Twitter is not taking any action. And, you know, what's happening? Uh, so what we did, we decided, hey, look, we're going to look at this, you know, we're going to try to determine if Twitter's actually ignoring these reports. Um, is this really happening? Is it getting worse? Um, so for your viewers, for the short of it, yes, you know, all of the above. And, you know, we started looking at this stuff. We reported it as if we were just average users, uh, someone just using the platform, not having any type of relationship with Twitter. And we found the worst tweets, and we're talking about the most vile stuff that you can say about women or women of color, black women. Um, and we reported these tweets that are clearly violating their policies. And for the most part, you know, more than half came back as you know not violating their policies, meaning Twitter responded and said, no, these tweets are not violating our, our safety policies, just block the person. And the rest of the tweets were just ignored. Um, now, what's interesting about all of this is when we did publish the report, uh, Twitter initially stood by, you know, what they initially said to us in, in terms of, once again, as if we were average users, that these tweets were not violating their policies. It's so not until we, Chris, it Chris, Christopher, Christopher, we're showing actually some of the tweets right now. Uh, and and there's some of the, the some of the sickening images. I mean, this is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, so it, it wasn't until we started receiving press and reporters started reaching out to Twitter to ask them, you know, what the heck is happening. Uh, then they suspended 10 accounts and pretty, pretty much removed all of the tweets except, I think, now one. Um, so it took the report and also press before Twitter finally took action. So uh, what then is their logic? I mean, did y'all talk to high-up officials or did they leave it to lower-level executives? That's right. So in initially what we did... Um, you know, we didn't want to approach Twitter as if we had a relationship with Twitter or bot signal communicating with Twitter. We wanted to have the experience as if we were just average users. And the point of that is because average users were telling us we're reporting these tweets and they're not getting taken down. We are reporting tweets that have the N-word and they're not getting taken down. What's happening? So... You know, if we approach the company as if we're bot signal, of course they're going to take action because they're going to know, hey, you know, this is going to get press. Um, which is kind of also weird because when we did publish the report, as I stated earlier, they did take their time in removing these these tweets. It's when there was an uproar um, in terms of press and you know, users like, what the heck is going on? Then they finally took action. So the logic behind it is you would have to talk to someone at Twitter to find out the logic behind it. Wow. Uh, Teresa, your question? Yeah, well, you know, thank you, Chris, for, you know, identifying these issues. I've, uh, I'm in a, I have a PR firm myself, and so I am dealing with the same thing with my black and brown clients. I've done the same thing as an average citizen and reported these things, and again, I'm dealing with the same results, so you know. So it's it's unfortunate, but um, what is sir, a question for you? What are some tips uh, that we can do um, in order to make sure that we are not only protecting our clients, but as a black woman, protecting ourselves from negative uh, feedback that may or may not come, uh, you know, down the line. Wow, um, and I hate saying this. This pretty much nothing you can do, unfortunately. And and that's the problem um, with this. Um, because anyone can tweet anything about you. Any group can decide, you know what, we're going to make you a target and just start putting whatever they want to put out about you. Um, and unfortunately, most people don't have the resources to combat that or have, you know, a fan base that can say, hey, you know, this is not true and, and push back against the mis and disinformation. Um, so this is why we try to put pressure on the platforms to take this stuff seriously. Um, no one, you know, we call them single-purpose hate accounts, for example, accounts that are created specifically to target someone. Um, and this is common, you know, whether it's uh, Kamala Harris, uh, VP Harris, whether it's Meghan Markle, Lisa Page. I mean, it's it's a bunch of accounts that are just created solely to target an individual, and. Most of this is being, you know, directed at women of color. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put pressure on the platforms to do more. But as an individual, whether it's your clients, whether it's just me, you, it's an uphill battle to, to, to fight this stuff. Demario? I'm sorry, can I do a follow-up question? Yeah, go ahead. Have you guys also did a survey of how many, uh, like, what's the diversity inside of Twitter in terms of those accountants and executives that 
are sitting in those positions giving decisions about the reports that are submitted. I'm just curious to know, you know, what is the makeup of the company as it relates to that department? Right. We we don't know, um, you know, the demographic of the company in terms of, like, you know, are there people of color there that are, you know, saying, hey, look, you know, this is not right. But if you look at those tweets again, I mean, you don't have to be someone from the black, brown community to see, hey, someone is using the N-word. We need to remove these tweets. Hey, someone has graphic photos that have been altered, which is clearly against their, their policy. You cannot have manipulated photos of an, you know, of an individual. And they came back and said, you know, using their reporting system, um, it didn't violate their policies. Um, so, you know, I don't know, you know, structurally, like, what's happening at Twitter, and, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to point out the things that are happening that should not be happening and putting pressure on the company to take action. Mustafa? Yeah, I appreciate everything you're doing. You know, my question is, through the, the pressure and attention you have been able to bring on Twitter, has there been any changes uh, to the accountability mechanisms inside of it, you know, the structural stuff uh, that folks can point to? Now, here's the thing. Yes and no. Um, you know, before, when you used to bring this up to Twitter's attention, once again, they would drag their feet and, and things of that nature. Um, and they're still doing that, but they're taking action a lot quicker than they used to. Sometimes they would just completely deny something was happening. So if we would publish a report and said, hey, you know, there is a group of bots that are doing X, Y, and Z, they would say, they oh, they're not bots. And then, you know, journalists will come forward and say, hey, look, we had our own independent researchers look at this, and they agree with Bot Sentinel. Then that's when Twitter would take action. Um, this time around, you know, they did do it a lot quicker than they did in the past. But once again, it's, it's still us having to Put pressure on on them, us having to bring it to their attention. You know, them not doing it on you know their internally by themselves. Them not taking action. Like we shouldn't find over four thousand tweets calling Kamala Harris the N word, the C word, the W word, and and so forth. They should have things in place to to catch that. Um, and and so so I guess the, the short answer is unfortunately no. Um, Internally, they're still not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, DeMario. Man, very interesting discussion. Uh, very excited to learn about your company. I have two questions. First question, does this happen to other uh, oppressed groups? For example, can people say those type of things about our Jewish brothers and sisters and Twitter just allow it to stay up as they were saying these things about... Um, VP Harris, can they call um, people, you know, the slur words that they call Jewish folks? Have you guys have seen some comparison between how they allow that to be black people to be attacked versus others? Right. So first thing, um, black women on social media are by far the most targeted. Um, there's been numerous studies now on this. So that's one. Um, but yes, Twitter does have a problem with, you know, whether you're Jewish, whether you're part of the LGBTQ plus community, a woman, it, it doesn't matter. If you're not a white male, basically, you're, you're being attacked on Twitter. 
Um, and so, yeah, whether it's, what? yeah, sure. Go ahead. Well, what I mean is, I understand everyone being attacked, but once it comes to their attention, do they have the same level of apathy or, hey, it's nothing we can do about it as it for black women or black people if they have, like, if this was talking about uh, Jews or, you know, LGBTQ uh, community? Got it. Um, we don't have, you know, any data, to be honest with you, to say, well, th they act a bit quicker if it was maybe a Jewish person that's being attacked or maybe it's, you know, the LGBTQ plus community that's being attacked. Um, but we have, I can tell you, we have seen those attacks um, in the past. We have reported those attacks in the past, especially with the LGBTQ plus, and we've had the same type of um, outcome. But I couldn't say, you know, definitively that it happens more with the black community or the brown community versus the Jewish community or, you know, whoever. Well, I'll tell you, as a as a civil rights attorney, I would be very interested, and maybe this is something your company could do, is actually do the research on once things are actually reported to Twitter. Because I can understand them saying, hey, well, everybody is, it's equal opportunity. Everybody's being treated trashy on our, on our platform. Okay, that's bad, but it's across the board. But what about once you become aware of the type of language and the type of hate that's being spewed to black people, black women in particular, versus other groups. It'd be very interesting to know what is the uh, impact of that from Twitter from that point. That was my first point. So then my second point is, I truly don't know what a bot is. Like I've heard that forever. Can you explain that for people who are ignorant to what is a bot? Is this a person that just, or is this actually a, a robot that's set up by a computer system? I truly don't know the difference. And that's another good question because over time it's actually gotten a bit confusing for people. So the technical term for a technical technical definition for a bot is a automated account that is being controlled by a piece of software. Um, you know, there are good bots and bad bots. You know, there could be a bot on Twitter where you are, you know, trying to get, you know, news and you may tweet at it to get the current news or a stockholder, you know, some movie advice, whatever. Um, so those are good bots. And then there are bad bots that are created to sow discord, to pump out, you know, the same message. Those are like the most rudimentary type of bots. Um, you know, they'll just post the same message over and over again. Um, you may tweet a keyword and it'll just jump into your mentions and say, you know, that's not true or something. Sometimes it's not even, you know, the same type of, you know, topic or context in terms of what you're tweeting about. It will just respond to you. Um, and then there are more sophisticated type of bots that are controlled by artificial intelligence that can actually have a conversation with you. Um, and this is all done behind, you know, behind the scenes with software. But we like to explain to people that, you know, we like to call them inauthentic accounts because bots are just a small percentage of what you're seeing on Twitter and other right. um, platforms. Now you're seeing the human-controlled accounts that are fake, that are created to once again sow discord. Um, you have black <coughs> phishing accounts that are made to look like they're, you know, African American or whatever, and they're not. They're they're white guys someplace in Idaho or in Europe, um, you know, tweeting out stuff to try to pretend as if they are black to sow discord. So. You know, if there's a shooting, for example, um, and a black man was unfortunately killed, you have these fake accounts come in. Well, you know, he should have complied. 
Um, and they're doing this as if they are, they are African-American. All right, Christopher, we surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us. Keep up the good work. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, we've got some breaking news out of New Orleans. Uh, tragedy on the campus of Xavier University. There was a high school graduation today. And all of a sudden, a shooting broke out. Three people shot uh, at a high school graduation on the campus of Xavier. Uh, one grandmother shot, and she's dead. She's the mother of six, grandmother of 15. Uh, NOLA.com actually posted this image right here of this grandmother at the graduation uh, of her grandson. And you see it says here, the woman who was shot and killed Tuesday outside the Morris, Je Morris Jeff High School graduation, Xavier, has been identified as Augustine, Augustine Greenwood, 80, the youngest of her grandchildren who received his diploma minutes earlier. Uh, again, another mass shooting in this country. Uh, police are investigating exactly uh, what happened. Uh, folks, uh, we have more details. We'll certainly share those with you. When we come back, we'll talk to a Portsmouth, Virginia councilwoman uh, who went viral when she went off on her fellow council members uh, as they were firing a black city manager. She will join us next right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Next on A Balanced Life, we're talking everything from prayer to exercise, to positive affirmations, and everything that's needed to keep you strong and along your way. That's on a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, on Black Star Network. I'm Dr. Greg Carr, and coming up on the next Black Table, thinking about the Black freedom movement in a global way. Dr. John Monroe joins us to discuss his book, The Anti-Colonial Front which maps the social justice movement in the United States and its impact internationally, from Asia to Africa, and how movements like anti-communism were used to slow down racial equality, like critical race theory today. Critical race theory today, communism back then, this essentially mobilized to shut down any challenges to a given system of power. Connecting the civil rights movement to colonialism on the next Black Table, exclusively here on the Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Antonique Smith. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Activist Fannie Lou Hamer once said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I think that applies to Portsmouth, Virginia Councilwoman Lisa Lucasburg, who last week was fed up with uh, shenanigans taking place in that particular city. Uh, a clip of her cussing them out went viral. Here is, though, the full context of her statements. Yes. Councilwoman Lucas Burke, ma'am, you have the floor. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I did hear the information last Thursday, and I was quite alarmed at a time in our nation where women are mis misrepresented, underrepresented, not represented, mistreated. This is egregious for this male dominant council to make this decision today. 
at a time when my Delta sisters, and this is our Delta sister, is here for our Delta Day to be make this kind of mockery of women is egregious. At a time in our nation when Kentonji Brown was confirmed by the Congress to be the highest ranking member in the su Supreme Court, and this council chooses to degrade women, I'm pissed as a, and I ain't gonna say it because you know I can say it, but I'm gonna be cool with it, but I'm pissed. I spoke with Woodard, and I spoke with Battle, and I asked them, had you heard this information? And they did not. They said they did not. But Mr. Battle told me I won't go for it. She's been a great city manager. I'm not going to put her down. But you sat here and you lied in my face. You lied in my face, Mr. Battle. And I want you to lie to these people to say that you didn't say that. You said that this woman has done her job and she has been nothing but great to this community, which we know. We know she has done her job. We know she has bent over backward. We know she has looked aside to some of the votes that you have tried to have people pay you all to for votes that she looked aside, that she could have reported. <laughs> she got a lot on this council, and that's why they want to get rid of her. And I hope that y'all seeing what's happening, and I hope you make your decision when, when November comes. Council, I'm when pissed as a motherfucker. Yeah, I'm a player. I'm mad as a motherfucker. On, council, I am. Council, because woman. I know what's been going on. I know somebody came to my office and asked me to deal with this stuff because they've been asked to be paid Let's $3,000 to I'm, I'm get going to recess this meeting right stuff. now. I'm, I'm sick of it. We're going to recess the meeting right now. I'm sick of it. We're going to well, that, that video has been aired uh, hundreds of thousands of times all across the country. Uh, Councilwoman Lisa Lucas Burke joins us right now on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Glad to have you. Uh, you tried not to go there, uh, but as you continued, uh, clearly you were, you were not happy. Now, the city council voted to fire city manager Angel Jones in a four to three vote. She was just hired last year. Uh, we've talked about uh, other issues that Portsmouth, Virginia has had. Uh, dealing with your police chief and, and all kind of other different stuff. So what the hell is happening in, in Portsmouth? Well, what's happening in Portsmouth is we have a male majority council who rules on votes, four or three votes, um, and they just felt like they weren't getting what they needed out of the city manager. Uh, we recently had uh, held her uh, evaluation period after... Uh, ten months, we held her evaluation period, and we gave her scores, one being poor and five being excellent. And um, her scores came back average. Um, of course, uh, a lot of the four members gave her very poor scores, said that she hadn't done her job, she hadn't uh, voiced with the community, said that she was hadn't done what she needed to do with crime, and just, you know, that her, her people skills. And, and they just gave her these poor scores so that they can use it as an opportunity to get rid of her at the particular time that they wanted to get rid of her. And they took one year to do this. Who can turn a city like Portsmouth around in one year? Of course, you need, she needed more time to just to be able to learn who the players were and who the council is and how um, they deliberate on things. But they used this and they said that she had uh, received a poor evaluation and they used that to get rid of her. And one person said she hadn't been tough enough on crime. Well, tough on crime, 
crime is an issue nationwide. It's not just in Portsmouth. You know, we have all of these guns. We have these shootings. Uh, we have people uh, committing all kinds of offenses uh, with handguns and, and, and killings. And, you know, um, that wasn't her fault. And I don't feel like they gave her um, an opportunity to prove herself as a city manager. She came in on a 4-3 vote. Um, and, of course, three uh, were against her. And I believe that this whole year they worked um, to try to get her out. You, um, so they... you said that uh, that happened on Delta Days. Is she a Delta? Yes. yes. So, Delta. so, so you... He's so, a Delta. So you believe Delta that by having all the... By having, doing this on Delta Day, it was, it was to extra embarrass her. Absolutely. Intentional. And it really scarred her because she had her sisters there who were there to lift her up. Uh, to sing her praises. And, and we didn't think that it was going that way because I had spoken to two of the council members and when the rumors uh, were heard uh, a couple months ago and they said, you can't believe everything you hear in the street. So I said, okay, but when five people tell me something is no longer a rumor, that becomes a, a factual situation. And so we go into this meeting um, beforehand and, and I'm asking, I'm hearing these rumors again, what's going on? And one particular council member, Mr. Battle, Councilman Battle told me, He's not going to go with them fools. He's not going to let them degrade this woman like that. He's not going to let him down her. And in fact, he said that he talked to her and offered her a proposal for an increase to be able to stay on and to renew her contract. And so when he got on that council and he's flipped and he changed his mind, I felt like that was a slap in my face. That was a slap in the face of the city manager. So, so wait, 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 wait. He said, he said that he was not going to vote to fight to get rid of her absolutely and this absolutely. And, and this is this is who he is this, this so, so y'all if y'all uh, actually actually uh, i'm going to uh, let me do this here i have it up on my ipad i, I want to show okay. it to the folk um, cuz he, he's also a brother he's a brother he's a brother and and stayed in her office stayed asking questions stayed asking her for information and she did not deny him anything at one point in time, because she tried to work with all seven of the council members, even though four disagreed with her bringing with them bringing her on, because they wanted someone else that they thought that they could keep um, as as their puppet. Um, and then when we didn't agree with that person and brought her on, of course, she tried to work with everyone. And for them to dismiss her like that was just egregious. And what infuriated me was that that he just lied in my face because I wanted to prove to them that they didn't have four votes. To take her out. So you, so you said that, uh, and this is where it's. It, it, so you said that uh, he literally. That first of all, he literally told you he was not going to fire her. Th this is him right here. Absolutely. This is Paul J. Battle right here, right. Uh, and uh, this is y'all can see. Uh, that's his contact information. That's on the city website. So I'm. That's I'm right. So that. So he told you, I am not going to fire vote fire her. How long was that before he went to the room and actually voted to fire? Her? That, that, that was on a Thursday. So Thursday, we had the weekend to think about it. And then on that Tuesday, he went in and said that, you know, she hadn't done her job and he's going to vote uh, to get rid of her. I, I read a story that said that, that, that she was approached and said, you should resign or we're going to fire you. Absolutely. And that was uh, Dr. Whitaker. That was one of the members who is the head of the personnel committee. He called her to his church. How do you handle this in your church? How do you be a man of God 
to bring in somebody that could be like your mother or your sister or your auntie and tell them inside your church that you either resign or I have four votes to take you out. And she thought that they was coming to talk about her renewed contract. Hold on, wait a minute, hold on. Doc, you said Mark Whitaker? Yeah, Dr. Mark Whitaker. He the <laughs> one we just redeemed, you know, um, last in, in 2020 for him to come back on the city council. Now, wait, now hold on. Y'all, come on, y'all. Come on. Sure, thank you. So that, so wait a minute. <laughs> uh, so... Because explain what happened to him last year. Because I remember we were we covered the story, uh, right. and, and so this, so this brother, so you this had, brother, so you had two brother brothers moved against. Issues. Yes, this brother had some issues in his community where his church was trying to start up a credit union, and um, the credit union went disfunct or something to that nature, and and there was a forgery situation that went on uh, with uh, some of the people who. Um, were supposed to be members of that credit union. Well, one of the members came forth and said that I never signed my name to that document. So it went through a long, lengthy uh, trial. Um, and, of course, he's your alpha brother, and he had one of his other alpha brothers to, to defend him, and that, you know, they, they worked mm. well with that. Um, so who else voted against? Who else so, voted against? Paul, so Paul Battle voted against. Dr. Battle, Battle Whitaker. Whitaker, Chris Woodard. And DeAndre Barnes, who is the vice mayor of the city council. All right, so let, let, let's hold up. So this Bring brother, this up. brother right here. So DeAndre Barnes, he voted against. Yes. Okay, and uh, and, and and who else? And Chris, and then Chris Woodard. Chris Woodard was an appointee uh, to the city council in 2021, and he came on. Um, and of course, he has been their their yes man. So, uh, for any votes that they needed to get through to make it a four so, vote. So these four black men voted against this sister. Yes, uh, absolutely. Voted her. Right. Now, now somebody sent me a text who's very familiar with Virginia, Virginia politics. They said Portsmouth fires city managers every 20 minutes. That's what it seems like. That's what it seems like. You know, because you know they had a former council that fired our our former city council uh, uh, city manager. And, and then they brought on, you know, um, had an interim um, in for, um, you know, a while um, as a city manager. And then we went through a hiring process and, and then brought in um, the new city manager in January of 2021. And she's been here for one year and not quite even one year. I mean, in one year and shy of a couple of days. And, and then they want to go in and say that um, they want to go on another direction. Um, and they want to bring on somebody new. And that meeting tonight was was where they want to bring on someone new. So you, the mayor, and another and uh, and Bill Moody, and Bill Moody, the long white councilman, white council member, voted right. to keep her. Voted to keep her now because they've been doing the job. Now, how long was her contract? And y'all got to pay it off now. What's the deal? Well, yeah, now they got to pay her out because um, they fired her without cause. And oh, oh, oh. How, so how many years was the contract? Well, they only gave her a one-year contract, wow. and this was—we wanted to go in. I wanted to bring in a proposal for us to give her a four-year contract to increase her salary and to, to offer her at least an eight-month severance if they decide to get. Who the, okay, I, I, look, I've covered—I covered Fort Worth City Council. Who the hell hires a city manager on a one-year contract? Th that's what I'm saying. You, you know, and and they just at will—they figured that she is at the will. She works for, at the pleasure of council, and and I guess their pleasure. Uh, was that they they were done with her and it was time for her to go. You um you 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 issued what some are calling an apology 
but are, are you sorry for what you said? Because look, uh, based upon comments that I've seen, folks like, yo, that's the kind of fire we need with somebody yeah. speaking, speaking truth and honestly. Exactly. I, I, and, and the people who I apologized to uh, was the people who were, were, were offended by uh, the MF word that I used, but I was not apologizing for the well, content that I gave. And, well, and, well, and, I, I don't think Sam Jackson or Jennifer Lewis probably have a problem with it. Yes, absolutely. I think I learned it from some of my colleagues and such as them. <laughs> uh, and yes. now, now, did you hear from your mama? Uh, you know, is, yes. Uh, my, you know what my mom said? I don't know how, how raw I can go on your, 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 your channel. The but show called Unfiltered. Go ahead. He's unfiltered. My mom said, who the fuck you think taught us how to, how to cuss? <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. You know, you had to survive in this community around here, you know, and you either get eat or get ate alive or survive. And I learned how to survive early. And, you know, and I'm the only female on this male-dominant council. So, you know, but I'm used to serving with, with all guys because when I was economic development uh, chair, I served with all men. And, and I have an undergraduate degree from Norfolk State University in electronics engineering. So I'm used to being around all guys. So I'm not offended about anything that comes out of anybody's mouth. I just learned how to get in there and work and to get my part done. And so that's what I've been used to doing. So I'm right at home. Uh, with this council. Um, so here we are. Um, and, and again, for folks who don't know, your, your mother is uh, the leader of... Uh, the Senate. Uh, She's uh, the uh, president pro tempore of the Virginia State Senate. Precisely. She is the person who sits in place uh, when the lieutenant governor steps out or, or as a way for meeting or out sick, she steps in as the lieutenant governor, as the president pro tempore of the... Than Senator L. Louise Lucas is my Well, uh, look, my, my position is, you know, uh, sometimes somebody got to say it, uh, and uh, and you got to say it where people understand it. So uh, I think folk now get it, and trust me, uh, it's a whole bunch of folks uh, who have been commenting uh, about uh, your uh, statement uh, all over the country. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was, you know, I was passionate about it because I, and I said, you know, maybe they weren't hearing me, you know, but now they, can you hear me now? It was one of them kind of moments. And I think they hear me now. <laughs> they hear me now. All right, then. Well, look, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, hopefully uh, things will get straight. Now, did they actually hire a city manager tonight? No, we didn't. I actually uh, appealed to them to tell them that our council right now is not stable and that we need to wait until November when we get uh, a whole new, brand new council elected uh, to office, and in January, we can go in and look at that process again. And that was not a vote against the person that they put up, because the person that they put up uh, was Tanya Chapman, Chief Ch Tanya Chapman, which is our former chief of police who was ousted uh, uh, in 2016. You know, so that was a very trying time for our city as well. But I would not allow them to politically prostitute me, nor Tanya Chapman by bringing them in, bringing her in as the city manager, because I know that they have an agenda that is ill-willed, and I didn't want her to get caught up into this toxic situation that it is right now. All right. Portsmouth, Virginia Councilwoman Lisa Lucas-Burke, we surely appreciate it. Uh, thanks a bunch. Thank you so much for having me. You all take care. All right. Let me go to my panel here. Uh, hey, DeMario, she just made it plain, huh? <laughs> well, that's my good Delta sister. So, yeah, she did make it plain. I'm going to tell you the truth, man. The one thing that, that really caught my ear, though, is she said that the city manager had evidence that the city councilors were being bribed for votes. And from a legal standpoint, she uh, breached her fiduciary duty to the city 
by not bringing that forward. And if that's true, that's not a reason to keep her. That's a reason to say she's she she breached her fiduciary duty. So as passionate as my saw what I was saying right there, she kind of put put the sister in some legal jeopardy. No, she no, she put some council members in legal jeopardy. Well, both. Well, she put them both in. But I mean, if I'm making an argument to keep somebody, I wouldn't say that they breached their fiduciary duty and, and, and hid others' uh, illegality as the reason well, why. Well, they she did. Well, she didn't. She didn't say. I, just, I mean, that's what she said, Roland. No, 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 no. I'm like, whoa. No, no, she didn't say it was a bribe. No, I got your point. That's, that's what a bribe. Hey, she said she, they, people have been paying you for votes. And I have evidence of that. And she could have, she had a lot on the council that she could have said. Well, she didn't again, say. to me, that's what that's what you call in of uh, the Virginia Attorney General. Uh, Teresa, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it was interesting seeing all of the people commenting uh, the last few days as this uh, clip uh, went viral. It should have went viral. You know, um, Councilwoman uh, Burke, you know, has said uh, what I think many other though, of individuals who are currently in leadership has wanted to say to their other fellow members, you know, and, and honestly, sometimes the, the, the reaction is behind closed doors, but this one was in a public, you know, council meeting in a setting where enough was enough. And so, you know, I think there was a, of course it could have been, you know, the cordial way and the traditional way, but sometimes, you know, when you keep beating the drum and you have to say it over and over it gets very draining. And I think, you know, as this woman was, you know, stating, like, look, the majority is not in our favor. I'm dealing with a, a male-dominant panel who is, you know, um, obviously lying to my face and then sitting next to me voting uh, on, a, on a counter position. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, I'm, I'm glad she took a stand. Um, but, again, I think the, the passion is what probably got her elected and into office. So, you know, I don't think you should ever lose that passion when you're in public office. I just think, you know, if you're right, you're right. And if you need to stand for something, then make sure you stand with facts. Uh, Mustafa. You know, I appreciate Councilwoman Lucas Burke. She reminds me of all the Deltas in my family because they do not play. Uh, they know their <laughs> facts and they will come and get you. Um, you know, it's interesting. You couldn't possibly think that giving somebody a year is enough time for them to get all the pieces in place, to get the budgets implemented, and begin to see the steps play out. You know, you got to give folks at least 24 to 36 months before you can actually do a real evaluation. You know, I've operated all kinds of levels in the government, and it's just, it's nonsensical to think that 12 months is going to be enough time. So somebody set her up uh, by putting that type of a time frame in place. Uh, and that's why it's also important to make sure that you have a good attorney when you are actually going through these contracts mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that you, uh, you know, you have everything that you need in place for you to be able to be successful. Um, and to also make sure you have that parachute if somebody wants to act up and oust you earlier. And, and I'll just remind folks, I hope all the folks who are getting ready to vote in November down there remember this moment. And I'm sure there's a number of other moments. But Public Enemy shared with us that every brother ain't a brother cause of color. So we should remember that everybody looks like us don't mean that they necessarily have our best interest at heart. Uh, so Cherry Love in the chat said, replay that, Roland. I want to hear that shit again. She got me hyped <laughs> up. So come on, play it. <laughs> Councilwoman Lucas Burke, ma'am, you have the floor. Thank you, Mayor. 
Um, I did hear the information last Thursday, and I was quite alarmed at a time in our nation where women are mis misrepresented, underrepresented, not represented, mistreated. This is egregious for this male dominant council to make this decision today. At a time when my Delta sisters, and this is our Delta sister, is here for our Delta day to be make this kind of mockery of women is egregious. At a time in our nation when Kentonji Brown was confirmed by the Congress to be the highest ranking member in the su Supreme Court, and this council chooses to degrade women, I'm pissed as a, and I ain't gonna say it because you know I can say it, but I'm gonna be cool with it, but I'm pissed. I spoke with Woodard and I spoke with Battle, and I asked them, had you heard this information? And they did not. They said they did not. But Mr. Battle told me I won't gonna go for it. She's been a great city manager. I'm not gonna put her down. But you sat here and you lied in my face. You lied in my face, Mr. Battle. And I want you to lie to these people to say that you didn't say that. You said that this woman has done her job and she has been nothing but great to this community, which we know. We know she has done her job. We know she has bent over backward. We know she has looked aside to some of the votes that you have tried to have people pay you all to for votes that she looked aside, that she could have reported. <laughs> she got a lot on this council, and that's why they want to get rid of her. And I hope that y'all seeing what's happening, and I hope you make your decision when, when November comes. Tasha, I'm woman. pissed as a motherfucker. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm mad as a motherfucker. On, I am. Because I know what's been going on. I know somebody came to my office and asked me to deal with this stuff because they've been asked to be paid $3,000 to I'm, I'm going to recess this meeting right stuff. now. I'm, I'm sick of it. We're going to recess the meeting right now. I'm sick of it. We're going to recess it. All I'm saying is, I, I don't know if y'all saw uh, the mayor there. Y'all didn't see him. Y'all saw his hand. He was like, uh, uh, he, he was like the usher in church, uh, Sister Lucas Burke. Sister Lucas Burke. Uh, can you calm down? Yeah, him stroking her arm. She pulled it back. I'm mad as a Hey, she was not trying to feel that. She, she, she laid it out. But hey, look, look, bottom line is, sometimes you got to say that thing exactly like it is. Hey, I stand, I stand on my point, though. A lot of people may be on the investigation moving forward because a lot of what she said. She said people was buying votes, and, and she knew about it, so I don't know. She said, well, hey, and then, look, look, and guess what? If I'm the city, if, I, if I'm the now five city manager, call a Virginia attorney general and say, absolutely. let's have a conversation. All absolutely. right, y'all. Hey, maybe, maybe she said, she could. Now, to be honest, she could say that's retaliation. Oh, oh, absolutely. her. They fired her because she knew about what was going on and she was going to move forward with hey, it. That's hey, what she should be hey, get that check. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, y'all. Uh, we got to go to a break. We come back uh, more on Roller Martin Unfiltered, including our Marketplace segment. You're watching the Black Star Network. Don't forget, download the app, folks. Uh, all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV, and, of course, uh, support our Bring the Funk fan club. Your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. A senior check and money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. 
Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal's R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo's RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingatsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And if y'all on YouTube, Facebook, hit the like button. Come on, we two hours into the show. We should easily be over a thousand likes. This ain't hard. Hit the damn button. Don't make me have to go Councilwoman Lucas Burke on y'all. I'll be back in a moment. We welcome you to the launch of the Mass Poor People's Low Wage Assembly and Mara March on Washington, D.C., June 18, 2022. that we, poor and low-income people, have to reconstruct society from the bottom up. And we need to do it with the loudest voices possible, the biggest actions possible. Because we know that there is no scarcity in this land. The only scarcity is the moral will to do what's right. those with sub-minimum wage jobs who can't afford sky-high rent. People with disabilities are the fastest growing minority group. It's crazy to me that in 2021, it's still legal for workplaces to pay a sub-minimum wage to people with disabilities. There are still so much trial and tribulations that we go through as indigenous people. We can't get a decent wage to sustain ourselves, nor can we get adequate housing. Veterans across this nation say enough is enough. We can't pat essential workers on the back on one day and then cut their health care the next day. Health is a political choice. What more do I need to do to prove that my voice is just as valuable as anyone else's? There are still forces in denial that would try to slow walk our transition to a clean economy and a just future for us all. We have an immoral system run by moral people. But together we walk, and we walk and we fight. It's time for a change. Reconstruyamos esta gran nación. See, we are people of resilience as we fight these interlocking injustices together. When we work together, mobilize together, and rise together, we become a voice for the voiceless, and we become an agent of change in a time where great change is needed. We need the third reconstruction to ensure that deaf people, people with disabilities, and all people can have the right to live and to thrive. We know what they are doing, but the question is, what are we going to do? Reconstruction begins when we change our mentality and say it's time for you to get your foot off of my neck. This is Cheryl Lee Ralph. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
A couple in Memphis combines entrepreneurs hip in service by opening a grocery store in a food desert. Black Lives Grocery opened its doors earlier this year and caters to residents in an area that lacks healthy food options. Uh, BL Grocery owner Jarrell Spencer joins us now from Memphis, Tennessee. How you doing, Doc? Hey, how you doing, Roland? So exactly uh, where did the idea come from? Well, the idea came from just during the pandemic and with all the, 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 the black uh, injustice that was happening, we decided, well, we can merge the two together and come up with something that can help the community, like, you know, give back to our people and, uh, you know, help the stores was getting ran over from uh, no food in the stores. The people couldn't get to the grocery store. So that's where the idea pretty much came from. All right, so um, how, how large is the grocery store? And uh, do you have meats, fruits, and vegetables? You know, what all do you have? Yeah, we have meats, fruits, and vegetables. It's a, it's a small store, but it's, it, it, it's enough to, to, uh, to supply this community. Uh, we, we do fresh vegetables. We do fresh meats. We also do uh, all the other commodities, canned goods, milk, dairy, all of it. So we we supplying exactly what they need, just on a smaller scale. I gotcha. And uh, how's it gone thus far? Uh, how, what, what has demand been like? The demand has been up. You know, everybody in this community has really uh, came out and uh, supported us. They also have they also have uh, told other communities about us. The business is doing well. We've been open for like two months. But everything has been on an upcline. Uh, I mean, we can barely keep up with the demand. Have you had people who don't even live in the area coming by to buy stuff just to support y'all? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We had our grand opening. We had people from all over Memphis come through. I mean, from pastors to uh, city council workers. We had the news. We done had everybody. Uh, MLK 50 magazine supported us. We just have had... Uh, 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 overwhelming support for this uh, this this uh, genre we on this venture. It's been amazing to to actually to take this ride. I uh, got a question from some one of the folks in the chat room. Uh, do okay. y'all deliver it? Not yet, not yet. But we we we're we're, we're, get, we're, we're trying to open up all avenues, but all not right. we're not delivering now. All right, questions uh, from our panel, Mustafa. Yes. Well, brother, congratulations. I know how important it is to, to create anchor institutions inside of our communities. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the ways that you are connected to the community? Uh, well, I've been born and raised in Memphis for 46 years, my whole entire life. Uh, I just, I love the, the city. I love the town. Uh, I was, my, my, my entire family just been here for generations, so I'm tied heavily into it. I went to Carver High School in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which is uh, right a little south of downtown Memphis. It's uh, old school, been here for the longest. Uh, and uh, I'm just connected kind of fairly well. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, well, first of all, Tell folks where it's located uh, in Memphis, if someone's yes, there, or are they looking to come to the city? Yeah, well, it's located on 
1464 Vols Road, Memphis, Tennessee, 38106. Uh, it's right behind Hamilton High School off of Elvis Presley Boulevard. It's, it's, it's not, it's not, you, you can't miss them. Uh, you can reach us at, uh, through our Facebook. We are BL Grocery. We're on Facebook. You can also shout me out, Jarrell Spencer, uh, on Facebook, and uh, Ursula Martin on Facebook also. All right. Yes, sir. Well, Jarrell, uh, certainly uh, congratulations on opening this grocery store. And uh, yes, next sir. time we're in Memphis, we'll be sure to stop by. Man, please do, Mr. Martin. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. All right, folks, some sad okay. news. NFL star quarterback Jeff Gladney has died in a car crash in Dallas. The Cardinals and Gladney's agent confirmed his passing. Gladney played at TCU with the 2020 first-round draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings. He was released before the 2021 season after being charged with assaulting a woman. Uh, in March, the Cardinals signed Gladney after he was found not guilty in Dallas County. He participated in team drills last week. The Cardinals say they're devastated to learn about Gladney's death. Jeff Gladney, folks, was just 25 years old. And so uh, we certainly, uh, sort of thought, the thoughts and prayers certainly go out to his family as well as uh, those uh, two particular teams uh, as well, folks. Uh, that is it uh, for uh, today's show. Let me thank uh, Mustafa. Let me thank uh, Demario. Let me thank Teresa as well uh, for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, uh, tomorrow's show, we've got uh, some great stuff lined up for you, including what we got. Y'all know we got it. You know, we got a, a crazy Karen. Yeah, got a crazy white people for y'all tomorrow. Uh, you certainly don't want to miss that uh, because it's gonna be, it's gonna be a trip uh, when y'all actually see it. All right, y'all. Hey, we got our fourth intern. Come on, come on, come on, man. Come on, dog. You gotta move. <laughs> Doc, you got to move. When I call you, you got to move. All right, how you doing? Y'all good, Kate? Yes, I am. All right, Kate Smith, where you from? I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut. All right, what's cool? Howard University. Howard University. All right, turn around, man. You're on TV. Turn around. Right there. All right, y'all. So, Kate's our fourth intern. He's student at Howard University. You need a pocket spare with that, man. You're going to wear a blazer. And plus, you ain't got to wear a blazer in here. But like, you, like, all dressed up and everything. All right, then. So, look, we're going to have uh, our interns in here for, for 10 weeks. We're putting them to work. Uh, and so, that's how we go. So, first lesson. When I call, move quickly. Cool, back to control. All right, thanks a bunch. All right, y'all, that's it. I'm gonna see y'all tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Holla!